We uh, met in college. We have been married for 55 years. We've known each other since the sixth grade. And did it make any difference whether you've been married uh, for one day or uh, half a century like we have? It's really important to have fun. Yeah, and we do. <laughs> Don't go into a marriage thinking you're going to change somebody. Let your wife know how beautiful she really is. Support your spouse 100%. Learn to live within your means. Don't sweat all those little things. When you get to be our age, you realize they aren't that important. Bring out the best in each other. Just walk holding hands. You're going to make mistakes. Admit when you're wrong. You don't ever have to do that because you're never wrong. <laughs> Forgive each other. When raising children, you need to be a united front. Make sure when you discipline your kids, you both agree on the discipline. And if for some reason you don't, don't talk about it in front of the kids. Do it privately. Put the Lord first in your life, then your spouse, then your children. Practice what you preach. Have grace. Have mercy. <laughs> Do whatever it takes to make your wife fall in love with you every single day. Be aware of your words, the ones that you say and the ones that you don't say. Hey man, yeah, give him a hand. That was awesome. I'm, I'm curious uh, this morning, anyone in here that's been been married Less than five years. Less than five years. Put your hand up. All right. Or stand up. Let's, let's let you stand up. You've been married less than five years. All right. Hey, let's give these newlyweds a hand. All right. Awesome. They're still sitting together, so that's, that's, a, good, that's a good sign. Good sign this morning. I, I'm curious, though, how many, uh, if you've been married for more than 20 years, more than 20 years, would you stand up? You've been married for more than 20 years. All right, so s stay, uh, stay standing. If, if you've been married more than 30 years, remain standing. The rest of you may be seated. More than 30 years married. All right, yeah, give him a hand. All right. More than 40 years, remain standing. More than 40 years, remain standing. That's awesome. All right. More than 50 years remain standing. More than 50 years. Wow. Look around the room. They're all actually still together. That's good. That's good. More than 60 years. More than 60 years. Or 60 years or more. Wow. Awesome. Wow, more than, this is pretty amazing, right? More than 65 years? Got them all. <laughs> Let's give them a hand. That was awesome. That was good. Praise the Lord. So for those of you in here this morning that are single, you need to go talk to these couples and find out how to stay married for more than 60 years. That's pretty amazing. Uh, I think I might have said this last week. I've shared it a few times, but uh, Mary... And Mary Benton in our church in Ark City, uh, she, she would always say, I've never thought about divorce, but murder often, all right? So 
hopefully that's not the case this morning for you. Uh, you know, the, the question that we're going to ask this morning, you can, I'd encourage you to get your bulletin out, get a pen, all right, even if you've never been married, maybe you never want to get married, all right, this is just good relationship advice, all right, most of this information, I know it's in the context we're talking about in the context of marriage or family, but most of this is transferable to, to your relationships in general, Right, So if you keep God first in your life, we've been talking about that in marriage, your marriage will be much better. And the reality is if you keep God first in your life, all your relationships will be better. And so um, my wife and I this year, this coming year in July, we will celebrate 25 years of marriage. That's pretty amazing, right? And yeah, you need to give her a hand, her a hand, she's over here now. Give her a hand because she's the one that has had to put up with me for all these years. And uh, it's unbelievable. I want to show you this morning the first picture that we ever had taken together as a couple. Right? Aren't you guys just so excited about this? All right, so here is the picture, right? There's laughing going on right now. I'm not sure why. My hair looks amazing, doesn't it? Awesome. So this was taken right outside of Joy's dorm at Baptist Bible College. And uh, this tree is famous because the rule was you couldn't, as guys, go past that tree towards the girls' dorm, right? For some reason it was illegal, okay? But uh, we uh, met in Bible College. We met in, really in September uh, of her freshman year uh, at Baptist Bible College. It was my second year at college, and so we started classes, you know, there in October, met really uh, in September, started talking in September of 1992. That sounds like a long time ago, doesn't it? Who, who was born after 1992? And my eyes are over here. Okay, a few have scattered around, all right? I hate all of you. No. <clears throat> so technically, I'm old enough to be your dad, and that just really hurts me to say that. So we met in September of 1992, and some of you have already done some math. We got married in July of 1993, all right? Once she laid her eyes on me, she, she wanted to sign the papers, right? So uh, Joy and I have been blessed that we had great examples. My parents in June will celebrate 49 years of marriage. That's awesome, Yeah. Uh, my in-laws just celebrated their 46th, I think that's right, 46th wedding anniversary, and they're here as well. Most of the time they love each other, so that's awesome. So I admit that, that maybe that I have had examples that you haven't had. Um, but the question that we want to ask this morning, really as we think about this, is, is it possible, because we understand, if you've been here in the last few weeks, you understand what we believe as a church that the Bible teaches about marriage, that God intended for a man to marry a, a female, right? Not another man, all right? Male and female to be married for a lifetime. Okay, and so we want to understand that's the biblical standard of marriage, to be married happily most of the time for a lifetime. Jesus added the words in Matthew, adding, quoting from Genesis chapter 2, and he said, What God had joined together, let no man put 
asunder. And so that's God's plan. And, and, and so just kind of thinking logically through this, if God's plan is for uh, me to be married to my wife Joy for the rest of our life, if that's his plan for marriage, then don't you think that it is possible for that to happen? Like God didn't ask us to do something, or better yet, God didn't command us to do something that's not possible. Now, in our culture today, it somewhat seems impossible, correct? Especially maybe for you that raised your hand that you were born after 1992. Unfortunately for you, the, the, you you've seen a lot of examples that are marriages that didn't stick it out. You, you guys have heard the, that study where they did on uh, either you in this room, you either have that initiative to fight or to flight. You guys heard of that, right? You're either gonna, it's either fight or flight. And unfortunately for most of marriages, or a lot of marriages in our culture, we've all just kind of bought into the flight. Right? When, it, when marriage gets difficult, we're out. And, and for those of you that have been married for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 plus years, you would all agree with me, marriage sometimes is very difficult. Yes? Yes. I'll, I'll be honest, when, when Joy and I first got married, we had some, some rough days, some rough weeks. And, and to be honest, uh, if I would, would really be honest with you, most of it was my fault. I'm very selfish. Can I get an Amen. You're saying you're selfish, not me, okay? I'm just, <laughs> clarification there. Selfish. So if God wants us to stay married and to enjoy marriage, and that's his plan for us, then it's obvious that if he set it up that way, then it is possible. It is possible to stay married. It is possible not only to stay married, but to be happy in your marriage. And it's possible to be happy in your marriage and for your marriage to point people to God's love for mankind, because that's really what God, our marriage is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a picture of Jesus' love for his bride, and his bride is the church. That means if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a part of his church, you are the bride of Christ, and he loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins. That's how much he loves you. And my marriage, my relationship to my wife is supposed to be a picture of the love of G- that Jesus has for his church, for his bride. So how, are, how can we do that? We're going to look at two things, and these are just kind of practical things this morning. So if you have your bulletin, as I said, get your bulletin out, take some notes. Two things you need to do in order, as the title says, to go the distance, to, to stay, to fight it out. Number one, and this is going to be maybe a little redundant. It's pretty simple. Number one, fight for love fight for it. You're going to have to fight for it. It's not going to come easy. Like when, how many of you want to hear the story of when Joy and I first met? You guys want to hear that story? Okay, so this may surprise you, okay, especially if you know Joy, and maybe even more especially if you know me. Um, Joy asked me out on a date first. How many of you really believe that? Four of you. Thank you. I mean, I prefaced it that you weren't going to believe it, and guess what? You still didn't believe it. I mean, I, I'm disappointed in you, okay? So really what happened was I was minding my own business, looking good with my feathered hair, 
in the, in the school cafeteria on Saturday morning eating my breakfast, school cafeteria breakfast. Oh, I love it so much. And this beautiful young lady walks across, and I'm like, she's walking towards me. Like, we've oh, got something on my face, you know, clean myself up. And she said, what are, what are you doing today? I said, hey, me and a couple guys, me and Tony are going to go golfing. And I said, you want to go with us? Yeah, I'll go with you. In my book, she asked me out first. Okay? And then she never showed up for said golf appointment, and I was crushed. She stood me up. Why are you clapping for that? My spirit was crushed. And, and so this section, let me explain something to you, all right? So this, this was 1992. Um, and we didn't, did you know we used to have life without these? So we had this phone, oh, you're going to blow your mind, in my dorm on the wall. There was a cord attached to it. I could only go as far as the cord would let me. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? You've seen it in magazines or your history books, right? So I had no idea how to get a hold of her. I didn't have her room number. I had to call her room number, okay? Just tracking here with me. Couldn't get a hold of her, so I had to go golfing without her. I was crushed in my spirit. But I was going to fight for her. And I figured her room number out. I went back after after golfing, I should say that. After golfing, and she said, hey, I got stuck at the mall. Mm Mm-hmm. that should have been a clue early on, but I got stuck at the mall, and, and you know, she, it's not like she could pick up the phone and call me, and uh, so she asked for a rain check. Don't you think that's, again, her asking me out? <laughs> Who would agree with me? Raise your hand. Thank you, Cliff. I appreciate it. Do you guys agree with me or with her? Who says me? Raise your hand. All the guys. Okay. Hey, it's all right. So, long story short, I gave her a rain check, and we've lived happily ever after, right? So, yeah, that's awesome. It's amazing for, uh, for us, especially us men. Uh, I mean, as I look across the room, some of you men, I know, I know you had to fight to get your wife to like you, let alone love you. I mean, I can just see it. It's, ob- it's obvious this morning, all right? You're just like me. You had to pursue that, right? You had to fight for her love. And, I, and I'm, I'm convinced that in our culture, that when things get difficult, instead of fighting, we just leave, right? You ever heard, well, I just don't, I, I fell out of love. You ever heard that statement before? Well, you need to fall back in love. And it's going to take some work, and it's going to take some commitment, and it's going to take some energy, and it's going to take you probably swallowing your pride and quit being an idiot and fall back in love, right? Amen. Nehemiah chapter 4, we keep reading this every, every week because I wanted to encourage you and I wanted to challenge you. 
It's important. If God intended for your marriage to point people to Jesus Christ, and your marriage is not pointing people to Jesus Christ, then you're not honoring God with your marriage. And the truth is, if you're going to stay in love, not just stay together, okay, I've, I've, I've seen that example as well. I've seen people who've been married 65 plus years and absolutely hate each other. I mean, kudos for staying committed, but work on your love, right? It, be in love together for 65 plus years. Don't just tolerate each other for 65 plus years, right? Nehemiah 4 verse 12, so it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came, they told us 10 times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. And we talked about this the first week. 10 different times they've been told there's going to be a fight. They're going to come. There is going to be battle. So let me say every week in your marriage, men, women, there is going to be a battle. Your marriage is going to be a fight. Are you willing to fight for your family? Are you willing to fight for your marriage? Are you willing to fight for her love and for your love? Verse 13, therefore, Nehemiah talking, I positioned men in the lower parts of the wall at the openings and set the people according to their families with swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. He says, and fight for your sons, fight for your brethren, fight for your wives, fight for your houses. Men and women, if we're going to stay in love and stay married, we've got to be willing to fight for it. We've got to be willing to put in the work. We've got to be willing to put in the time. And, and can I say with, with, uh, without getting on my soapbox here. What I see in a lot of marriages, and, and I'm going to talk more, maybe more directly to you men in here, is we fight for a lot of things except our marriage. We fight to be really good at our hobbies. We fight to be really good at our hobbies and to have everything that we need for said hobby. And I'm not going to say that hobby because I want you to think of your hobby. Right? D don't we spend a lot of energy and resources and time and planning? In fact, I got a text from one of the guys here in the church uh, last night that talked about preparing our, our heart for worship this morning. And that was the exact message from them that I got yesterday was, we, if we're going to go to the ball game, we'll spend hours planning what we're going to eat, how we're going to eat it, what cooler we're going to take, you know, what shirt we're going to wear, all those things that we plan to get into an event. Or if we're going to go hunting, or if we're going to do whatever, and we plan and we plan and we put energy and time. And how much energy and time did you put into showing up this morning to worship? Did you spend last night preparing your heart for worship today? Did you spend last night, men, praying for your family and your kids that they would hear directly from God today? We fight for a lot of things, but we don't, I don't think, as a general rule, fight for the love of our spouse. We, we fought real hard before we got married because we had to, right? We're going to fight for our love. Number two, know the fight plan. All right? So 
fight for your love, fight for love, and then number two, know the fight plan. All right, so I, I, um, I love watching UFC fighting, and maybe that's not, I shouldn't say that publicly. How many of you like UFC, all right, or boxing? I, I love fighting, but I also like the strategy behind it. I like seeing how one person changes their, their approach when they're, when they're fighting a different fighter because maybe this person is a grappler and, and they're trying to keep it from the ground because they know if they go to the ground, they're going to lose, right? And so they completely change their style and they go into the fight with a different fight plan. And so let's think this, this morning about what God's fight plan is for us in our marriage. Because again, if God has ordained marriage, if God has planned for marriage for a man and a wife to be together till death do us part, then he has a plan for such marriage, doesn't he? All right, so turn me to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to walk through a few verses, all right? Ephesians chapter number 5. I'm going to give you a second to turn there, and then we're going to read Ephesians 5, 25 men together. And so I want to ask all of the men in here, not just husbands, all the men in here, would you stand with me this morning? All right, all the men, would you stand with me this morning? All right, stand wherever you're at. Uh, It's going to be on the screen, so maybe you've already turned in your Bible. But in a minute, the, the Scripture is going to pop up, Ephesians 5, 25. Let's read it together, loud and proud. Are you tracking with me, men? All right, so look up on the screen. Here we go. Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not Ephesians 5.25. All right, so men, I've been really mean to you the last few weeks, so that's my gift to you, all right, just to read that verse today, all right. So I'll take one second, women, let you read the verse, all right. Ladies, you're not mad at me, are you? You can say yes if you're mad, okay? I'll find out later, all right. All right, so for reals, uh, men, we don't want to look at that verse anymore. Ephesians 5, 25, together, ready? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That sounded awesome. Let's, let's do that again. You ready? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church And gave himself for her. Would you remain standing for a moment, God? I pray that as we have read this verse this morning, that we would underline this verse and print this verse on our heart, on our mind. Lord, that we as men would truly love our wives as you love the church. Lord, how different our marriages could be if we would treat our wife with the grace and the love and the mercy that Jesus has extended to us. Lord, may that be our heart. May that be our prayer. May we strive. May we fight to love our wives like you love the church. You may be seated. All right, so guys, I've had you interact. Now, ladies, would you stand with me this morning? We're going to read Ephesians 5, verse 33. All right, Ephesians 5, 33. This is going to sound so much better, I know, with the ladies, all right? Here we go. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. 
and let the wife see that she respects her husband. See, God has, has commanded us as men to love our wives. And the command here for you as women, in the second half of that verse, is to do what? Respect your husband. Now, I'll preface that by saying men, be men worthy of respect. And to be a man worthy of respect is given to you in verse 25. Love your wife like Christ loved the church. For every believer in here, for every lady standing this morning that is a follower of Jesus Christ, and you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ because he died on the cross for your sins, is it hard for you to respect Jesus? Yes or no? No. So men, you've been given the example. If you would, if you would serve your wife like Christ served you, be much easier for them to respect you. Are, are you tracking with me, guys? Ladies, let me pray with you. Lord, you know every person in this room. You know every situation in this room. Lord, I, I pray that you would be with every lady that's standing here. Lord, some are, are single moms. And so, Lord, I pray you would encourage them and strengthen them and give them grace to lead their home. Lord, help us as a church to come alongside of them and to help and to support and, and to be a part of that family. Lord, I pray for each woman in here that's standing this morning, maybe that's, uh, that is married. Lord, that as they love and respect their husband, Lord, that their husband would be a person worthy of that respect. Help us in our marriages, Lord, as men and as women, to fight for our love. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, ladies. You may be seated. And I just want to give a real quick commercial here, all right? So we talked about men, we're to love, women, we're to respect. And if you have a pen, have it ready, all right? I want to give you an email address, right? So if you haven't already signed up for our Right Now Media, we have an amazing resource that's free that has hundreds if thousands of Bible studies on it. This is just one section, one page of section on marriage that has all of these Bible studies that I would encourage you as a husband and a wife if you ha so if you haven't signed up on Right Now Media, I want you to send Dave here an email. Flood his email box this, this afternoon. Get your phone out right now. Email him. His email address is david at hbcfw.org. All right? So send him an email if you haven't signed up on Right Now Media. He will send you a link. All right? The link is actually going to come from Right Now Media, so don't uh, expect it from Dave. All right? It's going to be a link from Right Now Media for you to sign up for a free resource. And then you have access to all these. All right? You can watch these on your smart TV, on your iPad, your iPhone, download the app. But you can go to these and, and watch any of these Bible studies. I would suggest to you, if you're going to do this, to start with the one that's on the screen, uh, the, from the left on the top, Mingling of Souls by Matt Chandler. Okay, this is going to talk a lot about what we talked about last week as far as uh, a contract versus a covenant. Okay, it's a really great foundational Bible study on how to really view marriage. Okay, then the second from the left on the top is what we just kind of mentioned, love and respect. Okay, so I think mingling of souls will give you a great foundation on your marriage and how you want to work through this and talk through this uh, and then go to the love and respect
after that, all right? So that's my infomercial for Right Now Media, but I think it's an important, valuable tool that most of us are probably not using to its capability, all right? So uh, that's, we pay for that every month so that you can, you can have access to those uh, Bible studies. All right, so there's a couple aspects. Back into our outline, all right? So know the fight plan is where we're at. Under that is two sub-points, two parts of this knowing the fight plan, flight plan. That's hard to say for some reason. The first, fight your real enemy. Fight your real enemy. Let me read Ephesians 6 in the first part of verse 12. For we not wrestle against flesh and blood. We'll stop there for just a moment. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I want you to turn to your spouse and say, you are not my enemy. Ready? One, two, three. I heard just someone just got punched. I heard it. We're going to do it again, all right, and see if we hear that punch again, all right? Turn to your spouse. You are not my enemy. Ready? One, two, three. All right. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, I know this sounds crazy because the truth is, if you've been married for a day, you know that sometimes it feels like your spouse is your enemy. Don't say amen to that, all right? But it's true. I told you when we first started this series a couple weeks ago um, that, that my wife and I, Joy, and I got in a fight Saturday evening, driving back from Springfield. We were both a little emotional, dropped our son off at college. We were tired. I mean, all, you know, all the makings for a good fight, right? And we got into an argument, but I didn't tell you what the argument is about. Do you want to know what the argument was about? You guys are rude. You really want to know my, my, my business. I'll tell you. I, okay, so I can't remember specifically what the argument was about. And I... And I didn't want to ask Joy because I didn't, I didn't want to start to fight again, right? But I vaguely remember what started the argument, okay? Do you want to know what I vaguely remember started the argument? A rainbow. God's promise of deliverance started an argument in your pastor's marriage. I don't have, I, I don't know. I'm retarded. That's just the truth. I remember saying something about the rainbow, and then apparently it didn't go well from there. Anybody ever, let's open confession, anybody ever had an argument about the dumbest thing? Raise your hand, all right? Okay, don't start the argument back up, okay? So I get it. I know that sometimes... If you really want to know the story, Blair can probably tell you the story of the rainbow. Right, Blair? Don't ask her, though. <laughs> Look at the rest of the verse. Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You, you see, the real enemy is not your spouse. The real enemy is Satan. And Satan is out to destroy your marriage. He's out to destroy all your relationships that honor God. And we too often get caught up in the fight over a rainbow. And we, we make it about me and you, right? 
And to acknowledge that, that the real enemy is not your spouse, the real enemy is Satan. And I think it's important to acknowledge that what, you know, when we have those, that division and we have the arguments, and we, it's, it's to just mentally make a note, you know what? Satan, you're not going to win today. I'm not going to fight my wife, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight this temptation right now. Adrian Rogers says we, we, we have three forces against us. It's internal, external, and infernal, right? The internal is just, we're, we're, we're just dumb people, right? Internal, okay? The external speaks to Romans chapter 12. Be not conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the image of this world, that's the external forces. What culture is telling us and how we should act and how we should be men, everything is telling us the wrong thing. I'll just point that out real quick. And then we have what he calls the infernal, and that's what we're talking about this morning. Satan wants to destroy your marriage. Acknowledge the real enemy is not your spouse. It's not flesh and blood. The real enemy is Satan. So how can we combat that enemy? All right, we're going to walk these really quick this morning. We're running out of time. Number one there. Four things. Uh, or first, excuse me, the second part of Know the Fight Plan is be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. All right, so we're to be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? You know, Galatians 5 kind of speaks to this. It says, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And right, so we have this internal and external and spiritual forces against each other. Galatians 5 goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentle, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, if I am going to be the the person that God has called me to be, then I've got to walk in the Spirit. I've got to be filled with the Spirit. And let me explain something real quickly this morning. Uh, What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Because the truth is what Scripture teaches us At the moment of your salvation, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, uh, for me, I was 17 years old, and I acknowledged at that point in my life that even though I was a good Christian boy, and even though I was headed to Bible college, I had never personally made the decision. Nicodemus and Jesus had the conversation in John chapter 3, and and Nicodemus said, how can I get to heaven? And what did Jesus say? You must be born again. And so on June the 6th, 1991, at the age of 17, six days after I'd graduated from high school, I was born again. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. My spiritual birth date, June the 6th, 1991. And at that moment, God gave me the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the same gift of the Holy Spirit empowers me to be and to walk like Christ wants me to walk. And so it's not that the the idea of Galatians talking about and also here in Ephesians that we read about being filled with the Spirit doesn't mean that I get more of the Spirit at any moment in time. It just means, here's a great way to look at that. And especially when you're thinking about, in Ephesians, the verse we just read about, don't be drunk with wine or in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And so understanding the more wine or alcohol I put into my body the less control I have of my body, okay? 
We would all agree to that, correct? The more control I give of the Holy Spirit of my life, the more surrendered I am to Him. So it's not about getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's about me surrendering to the Holy Spirit. And as I surrender to the will of God and I surrender to the Holy Spirit, in Scripture that's what it's referring to as being filled with the Spirit. So how do I be filled with the Spirit? It's really about surrender. It's about submission. It's about walking in the Spirit. I remember in college when I was, uh, there was a moment in time when I, there was three of us guys, it was my freshman year in college, and we went to uh, this church and, and somebody read Galatians 5 here, the fruits of the Spirit, and we decided we were going to keep each other accountable. We were going to display the fruits of the Spirit. And every time one of us stepped out of line, which was often, the other person would, quote, uh, be gentle or whatever said through the Spirit, we did not display You know what I learned in that week of trying to fulfill the fruits of the Spirit and display my life? You know what I learned that week as an 18-year-old kid? I couldn't do it. I could not will myself to be a better person. I did not have enough willpower to display the fruits of the Spirit. You know what God taught me in that week? These are fruits of the Spirit, not your fruits. So if I walk in the Spirit, the Spirit will do what? Produce fruit in my life. In other words, I can't will myself to be a better person. I want to pursue God. And as I pursue God and walk in the Spirit, hand in hand, submitted, surrendered to God, guess what? He makes me more like himself. So I want to be filled with the Spirit, and and we're going to really quickly go through these four things that it says, if I'm filled with the Spirit, what it's going to do in my life. Uh, Again, we're in Ephesians. We read verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. Verse 19 gives us the first one, he fills your heart with a song. It says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We're we're running out of time, but I've got to say this. We talked last week about we enter marriage with this consumer-minded mentality. And, and if you watch any of the romantic movies that are out now, you're going you're gonna to hear and hear that underlined consumerism in marriage. You're going to hear it in words like, that person completes me. You guys ever heard that? C- can I just be real honest with you this morning? There's only one person that can complete you. And it's not your spouse. One person can complete you, and that's Jesus Christ. So if I'm looking for that joy, sustainable joy in my life, the song, oh, she just makes me feel so good about myself. That's not her responsibility. And I'm putting on her an expectation that she has to make me happy. And she's putting the same expectation on me. I found the person that completes me. Where's my joy supposed to come from? Jesus Christ. Where is your joy supposed to come from? Jesus Christ. And so if I look to another person to fulfill the void and to make me happy, and to give me joy, and to put a song into my heart, as it's talking about here in verse 19. 
It's not going to happen. It'll be temporary. The only person that can complete me is Jesus. The only person that can complete my wife is Jesus. And as we walk in fellowship together with the Lord, then our relationship points other people not to our relationship, but to who? Jesus. Being filled with the Spirit gives me a song, number two here. It fills my heart with thankfulness. Ephesians 5, verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and if we fail to acknowledge and be thankful for what God has blessed us with, shame on us. I was listening to a message this morning about something completely different, and, and this is the quote that, that stuck out in my mind. It said, if the brightness of the blessing blinds you to the blesser, it's no longer a blessing. And in our culture, I think a lot of us fall into that category many times. We all fail to realize how blessed we are. Do you realize that? And when I walk in the Spirit, submitted, surrendered to God, my Creator, He puts a song in my heart, and He reminds me to be thankful. The third one, He fills your heart with submission. So we're going to keep walking down this text. Verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And and submitting to one another is um, such a negative term in our culture, isn't it? I did a wedding a few years ago, and uh, we, were, uh, we were doing pre-marriage counseling, and the lady says, well, I really don't like that verse that says that i got to submit to my husband. It's like, well, we're, we, need, we have a lot to talk about, right? Because submit in our culture is just a negative, right? It's to surrender, and, and surrender brings a negative, like I want to be in control, and, and I want to be in charge, and, and, and God wants us to submit to one another. First, submitting to God. So walking in the Spirit helps me live a surrendered or submitted life to God. Number four, He fills your heart with love. He fills your heart with love. 1 Corinthians 13, what is known as the love chapter. And I read this often at, at, as a part of a marriage ceremony. First, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 says this. And this is the biblical definition of love. Okay, and we're to love one another. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In the first part of verse 8, love never fails. That's the biblical definition of love, and that's the love that we've been given by God through Jesus Christ, and it's our example. But here's the reality. You and I are really not capable of loving like that. Doesn't that just sound so awesome, right? Here's the standard of love, and you can't do it. It's encouraging, right, this morning? But, but let me read 1 John 4, 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. 
Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So how can I love my spouse like God wants me to love my spouse? I have to rely on God. As God loves me and as I understand God's love, he gives me the ability to do what? To love others. And how am I going to do that? I'm going to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit of my life. Now, I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And th- these verses are not typically verses that we would think of in the context of marriage. Now, well, maybe I should say, I have not really thought of these in the context of marriage. Okay, so the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul is, is reminding us and explaining to us who we are in Christ. Okay, we're chosen, we've been adopted in the family of God, we've Christ died for our sins. The Holy Spirit seals us into the day of redemption. And all that's in Ephesians 1. And so Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 talk about who we are in Christ. And verse number 1 of chapter number 4, again, is not necessarily talking about marriage, but I think it applies in every relationship to a believer. Paul says in verse 1 of Ephesians 4, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling of with which you were called. Okay, in other words, Paul spent three chapters saying you belong to Christ as a believer, and so now that you understand who you are in Christ, verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, so act like it. Walk like a Christian. Okay, that's what he's saying. Be like Christ. Verse 2, with all lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I've read that verse I don't know how many times. And maybe it's just because I'm slow, but I've never thought about it in the context of my marriage. Now think about it again. Because you're a Christian, act like one, verse one. Verse two then, how's that, what does that, how does that play out? Lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Let's continue this theme. And again, we're thinking about our marriage right now. Verse 29, Ephesians 4. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. If, if this isn't challenging you in the way you talk to your spouse, then maybe it's just for me this morning. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God to whom you were sealed from the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. How are we supposed to treat our spouse? It's laid right out there for us, isn't it? 
In John chapter 13 and verse 35. Let me read verse 34 first. It says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. In verse 35, I've quoted a lot of times, okay, John 13, 35. But I, again, for whatever reason, it's never just occurred to me that this can apply to my own marriage. Jesus was talking to the disciples, and so I've always just in my mind pictured Jesus talking to the disciples, and Jesus gives them this encouragement in verse 35. It says, they will know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. And I've always just kind of placed that in the context of it's the disciples, it's the early church. So in the context of church, as a disciple of Christ, when people see that I love them, they'll know that I'm a believer in Jesus. But let's think this morning in in a different context. If my relationship with my wife, my marriage is supposed to point people to Jesus Christ, doesn't this verse really apply to me as a married person as well? It's not just as a church that when people see the love you have for one another, they will know you're a follower of Jesus Christ. But when people see your marriage and how you speak to your spouse, who should they see? Jesus. The challenge really for us this morning is, am I surrendered to the Holy Spirit in my life? If you're a believer in here this morning, you know what the Bible teaches us in Corinthians? That you, your body, is the living temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and you need to ask yourself the question, daily, do I surrender to the Holy Spirit of my life, or am I in control? And my guess is this morning, if you don't work at it daily to remind yourself, I'm surrendered to the Holy Spirit in my life, that when people look at your life and they hear your words and they see how you treat people, You know what's really unfortunate? What I've acknowledged or what I've seen in a lot of marriages, sometimes in my own, is that we treat strangers so much better than we treat our spouse. Should should that be the case? No. I want to close your eyes for a moment this morning. So whether you're married or you're single, the question for us this morning is, am I surrendered to the Holy Spirit in my life every day? Am I surrendered to what God wants in my life every day? Am I doing my thing, how I want to do it, because I want to do it, when I want to do it? When people look at your life, do they see the love you have for one another? Do they see the love of Christ? And if, that, if, if the answer is no, then I want to encourage you this morning, maybe as a couple, to, make, to come forward this morning and make that commitment together. Let's help each other live every day surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit in our life.
maybe this morning God's revealed to you you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life because you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. As I mentioned, my spiritual birthday, you can't look back on your life and say, I have one of those. There's not a moment in time when you can go back and, and acknowledge, this is the time in my life that I was born again, that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And so maybe this morning, that's what you need to do. In a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of worship. We're going to have some of our leaders here at the front that are going to be facing you. And I want to ask you this morning, if you would like to pray with someone, if you would like to maybe understand, how can I be born again? How can I have that spiritual birthday? That John chapter 3, Jesus talking to Nicodemus. I don't really get that. I don't understand that. They'll be up here this morning. There'll be ladies. There'll be men. They'll be facing you. And if you would like to be born again, you would like to give your life to Jesus Christ, walk forward this morning in a moment when we stand, shake their hand and say, I want to be born again. This morning, if you just want to pray on your own, and, and maybe as a couple, maybe as a family, you want to come forward and pray, I would encourage you to do that this morning. If you'd like someone to pray with you, come shake our hand. We would love to pray with you. If you'd like to pray alone, then just kneel. But we all need to wrestle the question this morning. Am I daily surrendered to the Holy Spirit of my life? God, I thank you for this day, and Lord, I thank you for the blessing, the privilege, the honor to be a child of God. Lord, I pray that in my life, that every day I would live a surrendered life, that every morning I would wake up and I would surrender again to the Holy Spirit of my life, and that I would be sensitive to what you want in my life. Lord, I pray for marriages and families that we would live lives of surrender to you. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. Would you stand with me this morning? And we're going to worship together this morning. Just as I am, I come broken as...